0: Hello and welcome back for episode 24 of the Newbie Dentist podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Omid Azami. I took a few weeks off to enjoy my break a little bit. Um, you know, Since moving down to Australia, I had to wait for my paperwork to come in and then I had to go through the process of uh, you know, finding an associate position and finding the right one, which uh, I wanted to be really picky about and make sure um, I sort of landed myself into a good situation where I can have some mentorship, where I can be busy. So I, I do plan on making a little video about uh, the job hunt, uh, giving some advice from my experiences. Um, I have had a fair few associate positions um, you know, in my early part of my career, so I'll definitely want to share some of that experiences with new grads and tell them sort of what things to look for and what to try and avoid. I do hope to release a bunch of episodes. I have recorded a fair few and I will try to get one out per week over the next a little bit. i starting work finally next week, so I'm excited about that to get going again and, and start to do some dentistry. Uh, in this episode, I talked to uh, Dr. Sully Sullivan, who is uh, one of the hosts of the Millennial Dentist podcast. He is a fantastic guy. He's become a great mentor of mine. And in this episode, we actually talk about a lot of stuff and he just drops a lot of knowledge. He's definitely a young dentist that I look up to and try and aspire to. Uh, him and uh, Dr. Paymon, uh, Dr. Peyre on Instagram uh, you know, are partnering up and doing a lot of great things with the Millennial Dentist Podcast. So if you do listen to my podcast, I hope uh, you do check out their podcast because uh, they do have a great content. They do have a great product, um, and I'm sure you'll get a lot of great value from it. I certainly listen to it every week, so um, I'm sure you guys will enjoy it as well. So I'll jump into the episode please enjoy. Uh, The podcast is available now on YouTube, on Spotify, on Apple Music, on the podcast app or any other podcasting app that you may have. I'm just trying to make it as easy and accessible for everyone as possible. I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. Stay tuned. There is a lot of great episodes coming up and with a lot of fantastic speakers that you'll know really well, um, especially if you're active on the Instagram community. So without further ado, we'll jump in and enjoy the episode.
1: The Newbie Dentist Podcast, the safe place for newbie dentists to connect, collaborate, learn, and grow. The Newbie Dentist Podcast aims to provide high-quality and high-value content for all the newbie dentists out there. With your host,
0: Dr. Omer Azami. So I'm here with uh, Dr. Sally Sullivan out of uh, Nashville and the host of the Millennial Dentist podcast. Uh, I've been wanting to talk to him for a long time. Uh, I'm a big fan of his and he's one of the main reasons actually uh, in his podcast that I got into podcasting in the first place. Um, I actually remember I was at the gym and I was listening to the Howard Frame podcast and you came on and uh, just like the way you talk and how enthusiastic you speak and everything is really motivating. And I was like, man, like, I really need to get my own podcast going and start that up. Uh, so I'm really happy to be here with you. I'm excited to kind of uh, dive into a few topics. And, um, so, you know, how I like to do things and I think I may have copied this from you guys actually is, uh, uh, we'll dive into your uh, origin story and we'll kind of, uh, kick things off from there.
1: Heck yeah, man. Well, dude, thank you so much, uh, for, for, for allowing me to come on. And likewise, dude, I think it's, a it's really an inspiration to everybody. The, that Howard Fran episode was definitely, that was a wild one too, because that was a classic, like you know old guy trying to talk crap about the way we all do things <laughs> like not how we all do things like yeah. we not all our parents basements like get out of here. <laughs> but um which yeah that's that was a that was a fun one um <clears throat> which yeah man so i you know i graduated uh in may of
0: 2015
1: yeah i was kind of a a unique story I guess. Or I was I was not that unique in that I uh, had a family that had been in dentistry for a while. So, you know, you have ones that have been a bit really in dentistry and not been in dentistry and was very fortunate to have that. So, yeah, when I graduated, I kind of knew early on that I was going to go in with my dad. You know, and you never know how that's going to work. I mean, I have a lot of, of classmates who have done that now and it's kind of like not necessarily been the biggest win. So, you yeah. just kind of never know. And so thankfully, very early on we knew that this was going to be successful. And part of that I think was if i look back and see like okay because really the reality is is our success has not been necessarily father and son but just really good on the associate end and really good on the employer end yeah um early on dad had a plan or we didn't really have a plan but we kind of (laughs) came with a plan on the fly yeah really that was ultimately to figure out okay how can we how can we promote you and get you busy without me taking a hit Mm -hmm. um because I think what happens in a lot of associateships is the young dentist will come into the associateship because the older dentist thinks they're either ready to cut back or because they don't want to do the fillings
0: I mean, and dentistry. stuff. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. So then it's like this false mentality of, "Well, you're going to come in and do all my bitch work," um, yeah. and and that's not really appealing. So so th- so then then we have problems, right? We have like, and so what Dad did with, for me was well right in and he kind of encouraged us my senior year of dental school um in like may i went and took six months miles level one nice and so before yeah. i graduated i went out and and learned how to do that because dad was doing no ortho in the um in his practice okay so
0: he saw an area that you could have just jumped right away and just took on patients right after school
1: Exactly, because he's like, look, we have an established practice. We have patients that want to do this. We who we don't want to. They they'd, they'd like to do ortho, but they don't leave the practice. That I think that there's an area of, of need here. And so I was like, okay, like you know. And then in the in the real like, let's be real here. When you graduate dental school, you really have no idea um, what you really want to do. I mean, you've had some experience in things. Yeah. Um, but not like, not, not a ton of experience. Okay. Um, so I came in and, and then right away started doing ortho and it was crazy because what would happen is, is sure enough, and, and it really blew my dad away. He kind of thought it would happen, but he was blown away by the amount of patients where he had told them, Hey, you should go get braces. You should get braces. You should go get braces. They hadn't done it for years. And as soon as we give it as an option in our practice, they're willing to do it yeah. because they know the, they know where to park. They know the, you know, they know all that. So they like that. We made it easy on them. And we were probably more affordable, obviously.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so, I, so I do that, come to the practice, and then uh, we kind of keep that train going. As far as trying to find areas where we could kind of get tighter, um, I went and took Chow's pinhole graft back in, um, I guess, that, that fall, like October. Yeah. Uh, people always like, ask, like, too, like, well, how did you pay for that? I took out a daggum lending club. Like, I was like a patient. <laughs> You know, I mean, like at the end of the day, I was like, look, if, if this course costs $5,000 and I can charge a patient $3,000 for an arch. And that's, that means in two patients, I basically paid the course back. Yeah. So I was like, okay, so let's go for it. Let's do it. So just get bar the money and go do it. So that was kind of the mentality because then dad wasn't doing any soft tissue grafting. Now we have an opportunity to do that. So I go and do that. And then, um, and then, and then kind of the same thing happened
0: with. So my question is though, obviously these patients have all been like primed and they're ready to go. You kind of walk in there, like they know they need ortho, like they're not new patients to the practice or existing patients. Um, so what advice do you have for like a new grad who is like an associate in a practice and they're like just seeing the new patients in the practice, right? They're not taking over like existing work or they're not, being like funneled, like specific types of cases, um, to, you know, you go and take like a 10, 10 grand, like implant course or a five grand pinhole surgery course, not knowing that when they come back to the practice, like that caseload will be there right away to get that practice and get your hands wetting and, and go like, how would you, how would you have, and obviously you weren't in that situation, but how would you think you would have approached it that way?
1: Well, but part of it, I was though. So like, okay, like, so let's take, so the reality is, is that in every single practice, there are people who have crooked teeth. There are people who are um, need soft tissue grafting. And there are people who are missing teeth who want implants. Yeah. Okay. So in my practice, my employer, let us just not even call dad, okay, yeah. was not doing any of those things. Mm-hmm. So for, what are we doing with those patients right now? We're referring them out. Yeah. Or we're not even offering it as a service. Mm-hmm. So the problem becomes is, and what, what annoys me a lot of times, is I'll talk to young dentists or new graduates, and they'll be like, well, I go into this practice and the doctor's not giving me anything. Yeah. Well, first off, like, okay, well, there's, there's two problems with that, right? Like one, the doctor should want to help funnel things to you because your
0: success makes the practice money. Yeah.
1: Right. Makes the practice money is his retirement plan. Like there's a lot of reasons why the, the older dentist or senior dentist should be helping you get crowns, fillings, root canals, whatever it is. If a patient's willing to let you do it, they should let you do it. Yeah. Now, Besides that, though, what I see too many times is that they'll sit there and wait on their butt, okay, and they'll be like, "Well, I he's not, I'm not, I don't have any crowns to do. There's no patients, or he's doing them, or whatever." And so then I'll say, "Well, okay, um, well, let's take implants for example, right? Because yeah, all, new, all young dentists want to play. Everyone, is, place everyone
0: wants implants. implants,
1: yeah. Place implants. <laughs> Which implants rock? So, so implants are a great example. If your senior dentist doesn't place implants, okay, and you're sitting there on your butt not busy why are you going to pay 10 grand to place implants
0: yeah i'm asking the question you answer the question okay my and i i, I want to answer it i, I want to uh, come back with a question first though um okay. for the average dentist and, and one of the reasons i started like my podcast was i wanted to be like the voice of like the average dentist because you guys are i mean i, I look on instagram i I, t- I listen to you guys and like life of dentistry and and all these dentists are just like rock stars i right? just like i'm like you're coming out of school, you're like doing like four like payment. I'm like, how are you like two years out and you're like doing like oral, oral surgery level, like implant work. Right. So I'm, I'm like sitting in my office, like I'm a new grad. I'm like struggling to do like a MOD, like have like an open contact. I'm like, and I'm looking across the border and I see you guys like placing implants. I'm like, how are they like confident enough? How do they have the skills to do that? Right. And so that's what like, my question to you is, like had were you comfortable like doing a molar endo before you did implants or you kind of just like skip over oh. that
1: step <laughs> oh that's a great question actually that's a phenomenal question well part of it is because like, one they look we're not that good okay <laughs> pretty better than i am but like the reality is is like look a little bit of it is take it till you make it yeah and the second thing i guarantee you there are very few people um our age that have taken more continuing education than he and i have yeah and so the, thing is we have kept running kept spending money and kept trying to educate ourselves so it's not like so like let's take Indo for example i was not that i did like three root canals in dental school wasn't that good yeah. i'm still not you no know, that's probably why i don't i don't do as much or i don't you don't see me posting indo cases <laughs> <laughs> because like it's just maybe i'm not as good as at that right but yeah but i still you know would read message boards after message boards on what indo system to use and how to get better indo, how to work down you know calcified canals it really was just like I'm going to go learn and figure it out. And then for me personally, I realized, wow, I, I like surgery. I like the implants. So that was where I really started spending money on, and doing more education. So yeah, I think at the end of the day, it comes back to just taking the taking the time to learn, doing more education. Because I mean, look, I am I hate fillings, and part of the reason I hate fillings is probably because I'm not that good at fillings. I'm yeah. I'm right there with you. Like, I struggle to get contact when I'm doing like mod 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 Yeah like, yeah. You know that that's just a hard part of dentistry. So I think part of it is, is Instagram is misleading sometimes just because you know it, you know I respect the crap out of people who post these phenomenal
0: mods. Dude. Yeah like, honestly <laughs> It's so. it's one of the hardest things to do in dentistry I think. <laughs> dude,
1: I swear I and you know my big problem with like letting um doing the expanded function and like is because I am right there with you, man. I think an MOD filling on like number three is one of the hardest things we do in dentistry. Yeah. I totally agree. Um and so so yeah, I think that it's not well, first off, don't feel bad if you're listening and you suck at those things because the reality is is I think that's really hard. And two, you know, I'm probably a little bit of a culprit of why am I not taking more CE on MODs? Yeah. You know? Like I think that's a big thing. I was like, I probably, I actually had that conversation with my dad today. I said, I said we're you know we're doing all these removable dentures and more fixed stuff, and we're trying to do more implant prosthetic stuff. And I said, yeah. we really need to go back to learn how to make a denture. Yeah, and I was like, and I both need a really good CE on just removable dentures because if you can't build a good denture right, then you can't. You uh, yeah go to the next step yeah exactly. So it's like okay, we're really good at making the implant stick now, but like we're. So, so part of it is, is it's, it's the fake it till you make it. Yeah. Um, I think part of it is, is you just, you know, I am so honest with patients when I'm learning to do things. I'll just be like, you know, Hey, I've never done this before. Yeah. You say that stuff. So? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, I'm, yeah. Most, I'm, you
0: crack up. you be like, I think yeah, that I no. That. I think that's the best way to do it though. If you're like, if you, if you can't do it that way, then, then I'll, you set the bar, set the bar low. Yeah. <laughs> Look, how many times a day do you have a patient that says they can't afford something? Like, very frequently.
1: You know, and so the reality is, exactly. So there's tons of opportunities to do dentistry. It just sometimes, and so, you know, and and obviously if you're an associate, maybe your older doctor's not cool with that, but frankly, then he's probably a crappy older doctor and you find someone else to work for. But, you know, at some point there are times where it's like, like endo, that's a great one early on when you're, when you're talking, because, because the number one thing that most young dentists and associates have right now is time.
0: Yeah, you know, absolutely.
1: Time, they don't; they're not booked out. So when a patient walks in with number three, you know, that has four canals, it may take me three. I mean, I remember at one point, this is hilarious, and this patient's still a patient. I don't know why she is. But <laughs> when we got done, we both high fives. Like she was like, <laughs> as like she was excited to be done. And I was like, we did it. Look how <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. And like, I like, and I was like, I and, and 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 it was one of those patients where you know, she probably just would have had the tooth extracted because she didn't want to pay for the endo. Yeah. So like it, it, the next time that a patient walks in that we're like, they're like, well, I'll just pull it. it. was like, Hey, well, you know, I, I'd love to actually do it. Can I just do it for the price of whatever it would cost to take it out? Yeah. So you get nothing to lose.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's so smart. I think, I think that's the best way. And I've had that talk with a lot of people and we say, um, it was actually one of my like earlier guests that I had on and we are talking about if it's something that you want to try and you want to do a bit more and, you know, finances and like the stress of like, what if it fails is like a thing that's on your mind. That's the best way. Like if a tooth is going to be extracted, be like, listen, let me, let me do some like crown lengthening. Let me do some endo on this. I'll charge you like a nominal fee. And if it fails, it's going to go anyways, then we'll take it out. And then you have, you know, stress, the patient's not going to come at you and be like, you know, your work failed and like, and try and come after you like that way. Um, I think that's like, honestly, the best approach
1: that point we live we live in such a world of like and we're so we're so terrified when we graduate about liability and like look all that stuff's really important it it's important and whatnot but at the end of the day like patients most patients i don't think are like looking to sue you right and and if you're honest and and tell the truth and like treat patients right i mean i don't know if you heard the story about my dad but my dad when he was like uh um Second year out of dental school, my dad did. He did. He was supposed to do indo on twenty three and twenty four. Yeah, he did the endo on 25 and twenty six. <laughs> so when he took the post op pa, he realized, oh my gosh, I did the indo on the wrong two teeth. And then yeah. Said, so what he did, so uh, it's it's a crazy story. The patient, she's still a patient today, like thirty years later. Yeah. He, he leaned up in the stair and said, "You have three options. You have you could um, you can." I'm gonna. I can lean you back down, and you're gonna get four root canals for free today. Yeah. I can, um, you know, send you to a specialist, and you will pay a dime, and they'll do their two root canals, or you can do whatever you want. And the patient looked him in the eye and said, "Lean me back down." And like, you know, and then years later, he went back and asked the lady, he's like, "Why are you still here?" Because you can imagine every time.
0: <laughs> yeah. Every
1: time that had like an exam check, it would like give him the heebie-jeebies. Yeah. Uh, and she tells him, she goes, "You were honest. You know, like you told mm. me the truth. Like, yeah. stuff happened." So. So, I, so anyway, I uh, I kind of like to think the best of people. And um, I, I, that's how I did my first sinus lift. You know, <laughs> I was just like, I've never done this before, but I've watched a couple of YouTube videos. <laughs> you and, told the patient you know, that? <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't tell the patient that. I, told, I, <laughs> I, I, I was confident doing it. And i have yeah. seen some people. I mean, like, the, yeah. Yeah, but, but I was basically like, I've never done one. I think I can handle it. Yeah. But I want you to know that here are the complications. Here's what can go wrong. And you know, and he couldn't, he, I did it for free.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If you do it for free, I think that's, <laughs> that goes a long way. <laughs> that's awesome. So yeah. So, what, so I mean, uh, the one good thing that you have and, and that's like a pretty cool situation is obviously you had that, your dad there, right? So even if you're doing something and you kind of get stuck a little bit, someone's there to bail you out a little bit or have that advice, you can like kind of walk out the room mm-hmm. and like, like, what can I do? I just happened. What do I say? What do I do? Um, you know, I don't know what it is over there. Like, but in Toronto here right now, uh, obviously like corporate's like a big thing. Uh, I know it's the same in the U S and even like non-corporate, there's a lot of like dentists that kind of own like three or four practices and like satellite offices. And so a lot of time, a lot of new grads, like including myself, like pretty much from day one, I've been by myself, like in a practice. So it's a little bit scarier, like to like push your boundaries when there's no one there. Cause if something goes wrong like, and then what are you going to do? Right. You kind of have like, there's pretty much, there's no safety net. So what's your advice for someone in that situation? How to safely kind of start you know, pushing their boundaries a little bit, start taking on a bit more procedures and uh, and kind of trying to grow their practice that way.
1: So give me, uh, give me like an example of like in your practice over the last couple of weeks where you were like maybe hesitant to do something.
0: Oral surgery stuff has been pretty good. I, I mean, school, like I, I wanted to be an oral surgeon, so I did a lot of oral surgery in school. Um, so that side has been okay. Uh, I'll give you a good endo story. Uh, so it was, my, it was my first probably like month of practicing and I wasn't super busy. I was in the city and it's a practice that I left like um, after like seven or eight weeks. And, um, I was there as a new, uh, obviously I was new to the practice and the system was new, new system and knew everything was pretty new. Um, I do the endo and I'm like, and I know it's not going well. Like I haven't, perf- I haven't like, done anything bad, but like, it's not going well either. And, um, so I, I you know, I, I access, I find the canals, I obturate, I take the, at uh, the final, uh, PA and it's like three, four mil short, like on the distal. And that's like that zone of like, like, shit, what do I do? Like, do I tell, like, I obviously I tell the patient, like, do I say like, do we do it again? Or I send you off or like, um, so in that situation, you know, I sat him up and I was like, listen, like this, I did my best, but it's not the best it could be. I think it can be done better. Um, so like, I won't charge you and we can send you to a specialist and they can like do it better for you if that's, if that's what you want. And he's like, yeah, no problem. And obviously it wasn't an issue. But after that, because that first experience didn't go well, like doing an endo, um, and not having access to people to be like, can you come be with me when I do my next one or be around when I do it in case I get stuck. I was like months before I even like attempted another like molar endo. Right. So it took times, to like I did like some single canals and like three molars and stuff to kind of get going again, and then kind of jump back in. So that's like that situation where I, like if, if I had like an older dentist in the office, I'd be like, yeah, I'll do another one tomorrow and then we'll see how it goes. No, so so that's a great question,
1: and the reason I ask is I think it's good to, for, for example. That's a that's an awesome story, by the way, and one props to you for, for doing that and giving that patient the option, because a lot of people would just sit them back up and say it'll be okay or we'll figure it out if something goes wrong, whatever. So yeah, I think giving options a good thing. I I had a similar thing with that with a uh, with a uh, fourth canal where I, I I couldn't find the fourth canal, and of course then he ended up not even be able to find the fourth canal. But yeah, you, you know, you, but regardless, so the first thing I would say is. Um, have you developed relationship with your specialists? So, and, and that's somewhat rhetorical, but you know, have you, has our new graduates, are they going out and meeting the specialists in their area? Because Mm -hmm. I'm a believer that regardless of whether you want to do implants, you want to do oral surgery or you want to do endo or braces or whatever, that you should, you should know your specialists and get to know them and, and tell them, Hey, I'd like to be able to do some of this. I'd like your help. That sort of thing. Because then two, (laughs) one is they're going to be willing to bail you out and help you. Okay. Yeah. And, and my kind of thing is with, with this is, um, at the end of the day, if, if I, I kind of fall in the light of like one time bail them out. Okay. Maybe two times. Then like <laughs> if it becomes strain, then Maybe like you don't need to be doing endo or you don't need to do molars or whatever yeah. it is. But at the end, like I I've done that with patients. I've, you know, and I think you did the right thing. Cause look, at the end of the day that, that endodontist got paid. Right. Yeah. So, and you just accessed it for them and you make them look like the hero when they do it right yeah and you refer to them and, and you did the right thing and so that should earn a lot of points in their place too and so then the follow-up would be that, that is you know did you follow up with that endodontist and did he give you tips and pointers on how to what he did differently or how you could do that differently or manage it because i think that's where regardless of whether you're in an office with an older dentist who's helping you or not mentoring you or mentoring you yeah because it doesn't it really shouldn't matter if you've got, cause ultimately if it's got to go to the specialist, then it's got to go to the specialist. Now, surgery mm-hmm. becomes a little trickier just because like it's, if you break a root tip off and you can't get a root tip, you know, that kind of sucks. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you gotta like drive them to the oral surgeon office. <laughs> you know? like, like that's a I I see where that one's hard. Yeah. Um, but, but then ultimately it goes back to education. And so, you know, have you gone to a course where you got to take out impacted third molars? You know, have you, you know, or is the only one you did in dental school, you know, because you're right. If, if you don't have a senior dentist in your practice, who's willing to help you with oral surgery, who's experienced, maybe you don't have any business taking out third molars at that point, until you've had more education. That makes yeah. sense? Like, I think it's just, it just it's just, look, it's a huge advantage if you have a mentor that's willing to help you in the yeah. office. Still, I think you you need to have that foundation of education and what we, and, and, and th- I think this is actually a problem with our generation, and I'm a culprit of it too, is for some reason, we love specialty work. Yeah. <laughs> like, we want to do specialty dentistry, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we want to do all these different things. We, we we don't want to do just bread and butter dentistry. The problem is, is I feel like we want to do that before we've actually gone and gotten more yeah education done that you know you know what I'm saying? i mean there, you know, does that make sense
0: yeah and i think that resonates because i think what you said earlier is like you and Paymon have done like more c than most people you know and I, I think like one of the problems is and like one of the reasons like you know um and i i gave you like i appreciate what you did as well on instagram is like you know you you're willing to post a case that doesn't go well right like you post failures and talk about failures and how you learn yeah. because you know a lot of new grads like myself included like we go on instagram and we're seeing like around the world people just doing like crazy dentistry and we're like like everyone's doing it, everyone's like everyone's killing it. Like, why can't we do it? But you don't see the work that goes behind the scenes, like the hours of like treatment planning, the hours of like CE courses yeah. and everything like that. So you think it comes easy for everyone? And you're like, oh, there's new guys like doing, uh, doing like all on fours. Like, why can't I just do all on fours? And I think that's where like a lot of people get in trouble.
1: Well, and if you look like I mean, like, and that's why I I know you're gonna have him on later and whatnot talking. But but Payone story is so unique too and cool. Um, you know, just because you know it's easy for people to say oh well you had your dad to go in with and that sort of thing but yeah. it's like okay well that's fine that that's definitely true but like you know if we don't go out and and I don't take the education and I don't go and learn how to do this and then and then put the time and effort to do it and like focus and like and go i mean then and the money to spend then it just yeah. doesn't happen you know he wasn't i mean the like you kinda of go back to that thing. The day I did my first sinus lift, my dad's never even seen a sinus. Yeah. So <laughs> I remember I remember going into the operatory, he was like, I can't bail you out. And I was yeah. like, No. You know, like like that's a real that's a real moment where you're like, crap. <laughs> um yeah. you know? and uh but 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 like you know payment went straight into corporate, you know.
0: This uh, story's nuts. I honestly don't know how he did it. Like that I'll have well, to it, it, it,
1: it, and, and that's the problem is is ultimately like it's so easy to say. It's mm-hmm. just a different. But the difference was, is he took every opportunity for education, um, and he spent money and he invested in, in himself. And that, like, dude, is like the biggest thing. Is no other profession do we have the opportunity to basically bet everything on ourselves, which is like going all in on red or black. Yeah. And and we we get to be the bit. We decide how that goes. Like to me, that's so unique. And so when when I was, you know doing that or taking out money to do this or whatever when you're dropping eight thousand dollars on an implant course when you don't have eight thousand dollars in the bank and you got to pay your note next month yeah you know it's knowing you know what at the end of the day i have the opportunity to go out and produce
0: and do this i'm gonna bet on myself that's huge to make it happen. that's huge and um sure. so what advice what advice do you have so that's um like, I like practical, like actionable tips here. So, um, you're a new grad. So if you can go back to like, uh, 2015, when you finished up school, um uh, obviously like you're in a good situation, but obviously you've made the the most of it by like, by all, all you know, imaginable, uh, ways. Uh, if someone's listening right now and they're, you know, graduating pretty soon and getting ready to go and they have certain interests, but they're not sure sort of where to focus their attention, where to focus their, their funds into like CE and stuff. Uh, what have you found to have like the highest, like uh, ROI so far, like in the types of courses that you've taken?
1: That's a that's a awesome question. Okay, so here's kind of where. First, of all, I think I would definitely try to encourage them to to get a handle on the basics and ex- experience other materials. Yeah, because that was a huge thing for me is when I graduated. Is like you take just a composite restoration, for example. Is like I only thought that aesthetic <laughs> X was
0: like the only whatever you have in school is like all there is.
1: Yeah, <laughs> like, um, bonding agent yeah at that point <laughs> so the first thing is like trying to um take all that in and and honestly there's a ton of continuing education there's a ton of these meetings these conferences and, and sh- dental shows where new graduates basically get in for free yeah so the advantage of those is huge because the more experience and the more connections you can meet with different manufacturers. i mean, I didn't know what the difference between a manufacturer rep was and a distributor rep like yeah. you know like i didn't know you had to buy things from like a Henry Shine or a Patterson Dental. I didn't realize you couldn't just buy from like Ivoclar. Yeah. Um, so I think part of it, you got to like learn that thing. Now, to actually answer your question, <laughs> I, idea, right? you know, as far as the continuing education where I spent a lot of money to add, add kind of um, things in my back pocket of procedures and techniques, what I've yeah. done is um, ortho through six month smiles, uh, the pinhole graft through soft tissue with chow. Mm-hmm. Um, I did implants at um, Alabama implant education. I did, um, advanced bone grafting with Picos, um, down in Tampa. So yeah. the godfather down there. And, um, I did, what else have I done? That was big. Oh,
0: um,
1: I did Botox and Juvederm. Nice. Yeah. I did, um, obstructive sleep apnea. Um, gosh, I'm sure, I'll think of something else. That's a lot <laughs> in a couple yeah, of years. That's fun. great.
0: So, what's yeah. okay, so? So, my question, I guess, would narrow down to like of all these that you've done right now, Let's what's been the ROI. most profitable?
1: Yeah, 100%. Okay, so let me go in the worst order. Okay, okay. <laughs> Botox has been the complete bus. I'm yeah. pretty sure only time I've done on is my wife. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> maybe you know, we'll the, cut the, that out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't,
0: think, I don't think she'll be listening. The, yes.
1: <laughs> Um, I've done more Botox with my wife than anybody. Yeah, um, but and maybe that's just where. Shoot, I'm in a very high affluent populated area. Yeah, I think maybe if I was female, I would have a little better opportunity with that, just because I could relate better to the patients, so and I could like, I could say you have wrinkles as a dude. I can't say that. Yeah, uh, and then two, what I found is a lot of the people that would do it or need it, they've already got their person, so yeah. they're not. They're kind of like, why would my dentist do it? So that has been a total bust. And that was like a $2,000 course um, that has not worked well for me. It doesn't mean it won't work well for anybody, but it hasn't been a good one for me. Yeah. Um, Okay, then I would probably put um, braces and the pinhole graft kind of in a similar deal. You know, ortho, I just don't love. Um, It was very profitable early on. A lot of patients want to do it, and it can turn an ROI really quickly. That course, I think, as a new graduate, only cost me like $500. Nice. um and so your first case pays for your course and your materials
0: so did you so, like so after like i did the invisalign course and after i did that like i i i don't know if it's just maybe like i'm not as confident like clinically i was like i don't feel like after like one half a day like invisalign course i don't feel comfortable like walking in on monday and be like all right let's do this like i'll send a clin check and just approve it because like i'm you. i'm so worried about like the dire consequences of like if the treatment doesn't go right even though it's like pretty much like idiot proof at this point like uh they've done it pretty well um so like and you said your dad didn't do ortho like, so that's one of those things that maybe he couldn't like mentor no, you on right there was
1: none there was no mentoring there yeah so, what was about six months miles was um, and it's actually funny <laughs> I don't know if Mizline has this or not sorry we need to on honest <laughs> the um, six months miles has like a big message board when you yeah. take this so it's a two day course which is, which is nice and it was a pretty it was a pretty extensive actually you know it is wires and stuff so it's actually some good ortho foundation yeah um, that you can and and then they have an online messaging with a bunch of their doctors. Yeah. So my first like twelve cases, I literally just took all the pictures they told me to take. I posted them on there, and like each month I would take the pictures and they would tell me what to do. Yeah. So literally, it was like it was kind of like a joke. I w- I was like the assistant where I would post the pictures on there, and then they would say, because look, I mean, the reality is, is you have a way smarter listener. You you're you're way smarter than I am. I I am I just I just try to utilize and maximize all the smart people around me yeah so if, they, if i'm gonna if i can post a case on there and they can tell me exactly what to do where to put the bracket how to bend the wire what to use here and then at month one they tell me the same thing month two next thing you know they're moving and doing it so that was a huge help so literally they would walk me through and then if i get in a point where like this isn't moving what should i do they'd be like "Well, will try this yeah so that was helpful um the negative to and then, and then, um, and so I'm sure Invisalign community may have that too, but then I would tell you, well, why don't you just start with like a lower interior case where, yeah, just like, like, like one, one tooth out of line. Like that's, you can do that. It's yeah. Easy. The, um, but the, the negative to any ortho is it takes a long time. Mm-hmm. So even if they paid me all up front, they may pay me three grand or whatever, um, or sort of $3,000 whatever you're paying. Um, then I got to see them like 12 more times. <laughs> yeah. That kind of sucks because I was like, even though it's a lot of my assistant's time, it's still a chair. And still, yeah. so it's still time. So like early on, what was I? I had tons of time. I wasn't yeah. busy. Ortho was really good for me because it helped me get more profitable. It helped me make more money to afford more CE. Mm-hmm. You know, It's all about getting off the ground. And yeah. yeah. now I'm, I'm doing less and less ortho. One, because I don't love it. Two, because um, it takes a lot of time. Yeah. I guess really I just don't love it. It's very, very profitable. Yeah, uh, you got to like what you do. Like, yeah, like, laugh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> everything's not for everybody. Yeah. Um, and, then, you know, and I've been doing all the 3D printing and aligners and trying to like figure that out. I, I'd like to move more to aligners just because, um, you know, it will, Uh, it's less chair time. Now, all that's to say, I'm going to level two in London <laughs> in May. Yeah. At level two months smiles course because i want to write off to go to london and paris yeah and, um, and i'm also sending all my assistants to atlanta to the nice. team training for six months miles so my gut is when i come back from that i'll probably like ramp back up just because the assistants will be motivated and i think yeah. that may be where i've dropped the ball too is i didn't i didn't train my team well enough to just be able to handle it mm-hmm. um so that's that's the ortho side now yeah pinhole okay pinhole was kind of very similar i came out of the gate and i was like let's pinhole everybody everybody needs (laughs) Um, you know and the first couple ones went really well and then i had one or two like dude talk about like you know needing to change your pants and (laughs) i had one lady come back and um and and that's the thing this is not all guns and it's not all like roses and you know (laughs) this lady came back in and i did it on her lower full arch lower
0: yeah
1: and um the problem was, is like, I was young and dumb. I didn't, you know, she didn't have a lot of attached tissue to begin with. Mm-hmm. I probably told you necessarily, you know, a lot. I, I just didn't know as much as I knew now. Like I'm learning, right? Every day. Yeah. So so she comes in and it was just, it just didn't respond well. Um, I think I had a couple tears in the surgery. Like my pinholes got too big, mm-hmm. which is basically just access point is what they call it. Like a yeah. incision. And it kind of tore up to the top of the papilla and then it just kind of like the body started like attacking itself and like mm-hmm. eating away from the tissue, yeah. so it, it was not good. And so I was meeting her every single day after hours to biolase, like biostim her with the laser.
0: Like mm-hmm.
1: to be at the office, I was going to be at the office. So you didn't
0: at that point, you didn't still like refer out, like you were like I, I can handle this. Like well, so that's a great <laughs> question. That-
1: <laughs> Dude, I was like,
0: I was it's like, brave, man. Like, I'm just like, I'm in awe right now. <laughs> I'm like, man, I would have like shot my pants and like, like, yeah, straight I straight off. Like,
1: like <laughs> then again, like, my dad doesn't know what to do. He can't bail me out. There. Yeah. No, like, I'm, I am, like, literally getting sued. Like, they're me to off. Like, then <laughs> you know? I'm like, did I even get consent forms? You know? <laughs> like, what are my notes good? You know, I'm like panicking, right? Like, yeah. again, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, being honest with her. You know, I'm, I'm, I actually, <laughs> I end up, I had a conference call with Dr. Chow. Trying yeah. To figure out like, what happened? What went wrong?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so you know, kind of nursed her back, got back. You know, basically, we didn't, we didn't, we ended up maybe we didn't really get any worse necessarily, but we definitely didn't get any better. Yeah. Um, you know, <clears throat> gave her money back, obviously. You know, and and we kind of survived. At that point, I became a lot more timid. What it also did too was it made me kind of um, try to appreciate what was happening more and really know. What I really try to make sure that I had a full understanding of cases it was good for, it wasn't good for that it was not an end all be all so yeah. I've had still had a lot of really good success with pinhole. I'm just way, way pickier with my cases mm-hmm. um, again, it comes from that standpoint of like when you're young and you're not busy, I'd pinhole anything
0: right
1: yeah I realize like okay, it's not great for these cases, these cases would be better off um, and so that's what I, that's what I've done so now I actually I did one couple of weeks ago that man it just looks it's full upper arch phenomenal results it looks great um and the nice thing about pinhole which i love about pinhole versus the ortho is like i charge three thousand dollars for an arch people charge more I'm sure people charge less um but it, that takes an hour and a half and bam i'm paid yeah you know there's no follow-up no procedures no nothing and so from a efficiency standpoint roi standpoint that's been pretty good that's pretty weird yeah we have probably build over $200,000, you know, in the year or two years, whatever it's been since I took them. So if you look at what they cost versus the relative to that, they've been it's pretty successful. good. Yeah. Um, I would just say, you know, pinhole kind of comes in waves, same with ortho. Um, those two kind of fall in that line. Um, okay. So now it's really good ones. Yeah. Um, um, so the biggest one for me, and part of it cause I enjoy it is, was implants. Yeah. So. Um, my implant course costs six grand, my kit with
0: came with implants cost like four grand. So what's the, uh, so before you kind of go on, I uh, just cut you off there. Sorry. Um, what's the, uh, requirements for, like, I know here in Canada, like with our, like dental college, um, it's got pretty strict before it was like pretty, it's pretty lax and it's pretty lax in Australia in terms of like, when, and like, can you start placing it? Like in terms of like how much CE you need. Uh, so right now here in Canada, like in in Ontario or like our province, um, You need 70 hours of CE for placing and 70 hours of CE for restoring before you can even actually like, do it. Wow. Um, it's actually a great policy, I think, honestly. Yeah. So what's is it over there you can just kind of do it right out of school or is there some sort of requirements you got to fill? Pretty much just do it out of school. I think it's pretty cowboy. In America. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <It's> definitely cowboy. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, I think I think maybe you have... That's a great question. I don't think... That, I think that's the problem is there's not really any regulation because the problem is is even look at dental schools. Some mm-hmm. dental schools in America, you get to place implants. Yeah. Others, you don't even get to restore them. So mm-hmm. we definitely have a kind of a wide variety of things there. Um, you know, I I think my malpractice insurance wanted me to have some... See- I think I sent them my certificate and they wanted to like see that I at least placed an implant. Yeah. Um, but, you know, my course was... Six, my course was six days, um, two, three, two, three weekends, one weekend was, or one, three days was all didactic. And the yep. second three days was all, um, surgery three days like cadaver or like live patient, live patient. Oh, nice. So I put 12 implants, live surgery, um, at my course. So that was really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. So I came back from that and actually it was funny. This kid, I, I came back from the first weekend and placed an implant. It was like a month between the weekends and placed an implant between those, those two <laughs> weekends. <laughs> nice. I was like, "Why well, got, this. it was easy. It was like an easy one. I, was like, I, can, I can do this. Yeah. Um, but, uh, that by far has been the most rewarding ROI and the most fun ROI. I also love surgery, but I mean, last year I placed over a hundred implants.
0: Nice. Um,
1: so, you know, we charge $1,500 an implant. So that's, you know, 150,000, I think right there. Yeah. Um, And then you think about all the implant restorations that go on that, the abutments, all that stuff that adds up really quickly. The amount of bone grafts and other things that kind of go with the implant. So just that whole workflow has been huge. Um, I'll kind of piggyback that on like what's been the most ROI for a practice or a practice or equipment that you could buy. Gosh, man, comb beam. I wouldn't practice without a comb beam. Yeah. Uh, just because the amount of dentistry we diagnose and the amount of implants that's allowed us to place is, you know, insane.
0: And so, um, and uh, the, you have a you have a three D printer too. Is that right? Uh, the practice now. Yeah. So yep. do you do your uh, surgeries like freehand, or are you always like you all about guides and stuff?
1: I probably do. I say I do sixty percent freehand, forty percent guided.
0: Okay, nice.
1: Um, and I'll tell you uh, a piece of technology that I just that is definitely more. I mean, it has some good ROI with surgical guides and I think it's fun and it's exciting and it's it's not that expensive but as far as like something that doesn't necessarily I think have the ROI or or excuse me maybe just maybe just doesn't work in the the busy workflow like everybody wants to think it is is 3D printing. Yeah. Look it's here it's coming it's going to be better Mm -hmm. everything you see on Facebook and Instagram I think is way more
0: glorified yeah. In the 3D realm. So that's the, yeah, that's the next thing I wanted to ask you. Like, obviously, I know you're pretty big into like technology and all that stuff. Um, So like, I know you guys have a CEREC and you're pretty like pretty heavily yeah. using that. So what's like the, and you said the CBCT, like what's the main, like, so, I mean, obviously like most of my listeners aren't like practice owners at this point, but if they're thinking about it, like adding technology to their practice or speaking to their, um, you know, their boss about getting some stuff in the office, like what's the main thing that you would say you would recommend like technology wise to add to the practice to kind of help them out?
1: So I'm very passionate about this part. So beam 100% is the number one thing I think that people should buy. Yeah. Okay. For for a couple of reasons. One is if your practice is trying to grow, beam produces more dentistry Mm -hmm. because you find more dentistry to do. You see more root canals. You see more bone grafts. It opens up sleep apnea. um, You do more
0: implants. It's just, it just multiplies everything. So do you do the, sorry. So whenever you, when you have a new patient in the office, What's your like uh, protocol now? Do you just every, do a CBCT instead of a pan? Bingo. Every
1: every new patient in our office gets a cone beam and four bite wings. Yeah. Every time, all day. What if they That's don't pay it. for it? I don't give a crap. I'll give it away. Yeah. You know we a pan for it because it generates a pan. Yeah. But every single day, because I will diagnose. Because to me, it's a loss leader, right? Like I'm mm-hmm. trying. I mean, I view hygiene completely as a loss leader. I mean, some people are all about making hygiene making this bit profit center, and it is profitable. But to me. It's all about what can that thing and what can that area diagnose dentistry for what really produces, which is me. Yeah. Um, or the other doctors. The, the, the biggest thing that I don't understand and why there's such there's such a daggum fetish right now in our industry is everybody wants scanners. Mm-hmm. And like, what the heck is the ROI on a scanner?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean,
1: seriously, I'd like ask you the question, what would what's the biggest ROI?
0: Scanner. Not I just nothing. I think it just like makes make your life easier sometimes, or like it's just like a cool th- tool to uh, cool, cool toy to have in the office. But
1: it cracks me up because like because I don't think people think actually think about that because if you think about it, dentists are some of the most cheap people I know. I mean, I get on <laughs> Facebook every day, like where can I get the cheapest cotton rolls? I mean, it's yeah. it's <laughs> to the, where can I get the cheapest lab crown? Yeah. Yeah, those dentists are willing to go out and buy a twenty thousand dollars scanner or thirty thousand dollars scanner. And it has like zero ROI. Now the now the listener right now is probably like, well, dude, it saves money on impression material. I'm
0: yeah.
1: like, you know how I many impressions you gotta take before you save twenty grand? Like a yeah. lot. <laughs> you know? Or they give me a discounted lab bill. It's like, well, yeah, like, I'm sure they do, because they realize the writing is on the wall. Mm-hmm. And so I if there's a scenario I'm very anti-passionate about, it's like I don't understand the whole scanner. The standard thing. Thing.
0: infatuation. You know, yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't,
1: you know, and I, like, I don't want to be system loyal. I mean, obviously I can sit here and tell you why, why I think Sarek is awesome and, and, um, and that sort of thing. But ultimately as a business owner, it has to make financial sense. And I just don't think that, um, a lot of those things do. So if there was, if there was one piece of, if I got 300 grand to open up a practice and do a startup, uh, what's the first thing you need when you open up the door? You need patience. You know how yeah. hard it is to get new patients? Well, yeah. what if you can make, each one of those new patients more valuable mm-hmm. because you have a team that can diagnose more dentistry. Yeah, you know that that's was what really happened in our practice. Okay, let's take our practice. So we basically doubled our practice in three years with only adding a hundred more patients, active patients. So basically, what happened was we doubled the amount of procedures we were doing on those patients yeah. because of company.
0: Yeah, and you added ortho, and you added pinhole, and implants, and that's huge. Bingo.
1: Yeah. So. So, so the big thing is, is you know, people spend all this money. I mean, that's and that's another thing. Gosh, just I, I get on. <laughs> I, I apologize, but like, let's, let's think about this. People get it, talk about combi being too expensive. Yeah. Two thousand dollars. Okay, let's say two thousand dollars a month. Yeah, they'll go spend three thousand dollars a month on a marketing campaign that they don't even know if it's making them any money. Yeah. You know?
0: they don't track it. It's just like <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
1: they don't even know how to track it. So you know they're spending fifteen hundred dollars a month on Yelp.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I digress. Yeah. Um that's so, yeah. awesome, man. So, that's yeah. We go we went through well, a lot of good stuff there, so that's awesome.
1: Well let me let me talk about the final one for a second here. Yeah, I, I gotta See uh, problem. Um the final one sleep apnea.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. I know you're big into that.
1: To me, if I'm a young dentist graduating dental school, I'm a, I'm a dentist in an associateship that doesn't own and I am struggling to find work. I would be seriously looking heavily into getting into obstructive sleep apnea. Um, one, we are only going to be hearing more about it. There's yeah. going to be more news, more um, like just like patients now know about implants, they're yeah. going to be knowing about sleep apnea. And um, and they're going to need someone to to treat it and do something about it. And so they're going to be looking for people. And so, I mean, we did over $200,000 in sleep apnea last year. That's huge. We'll do almost four hundred grand in sleep apnea this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are real numbers and you're, you're changing lives with that stuff. So I'm not even going to go down that rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> that's a whole nother episode in itself, but that's a whole other episode itself. But yeah, but the beauty of sleep apnea is not only is it a very profitable thing and it, and it's amazing for your patients, but it's all team driven. So you talk about a good ROI. I'm not even in the room when that's happening. Yeah. So, you know, at the implant I have to actually be there and place it versus like sleep apnea. I just walk in and say, Hey. So anywho,
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. All right. So the last thing I want to quickly just talk about before, uh, before we wrap up here is um, obviously like you've done all the CE, um, you've got all this, uh, you know, skills and, and procedures under your belt. Um, and obviously you're an outgoing guy, you're like your podcast host yourself. So you're obviously, you're, you're comfortable communicating with patients, right? Um, what's like your main things that you've picked up, you know, in your, you know, a few years of working now in terms of uh, case presentation, case acceptance, and like what, you know, a couple quick tips would you have for someone listening who, has like taken an implant course and you know, they're struggling to get case acceptance and like placing implants, for example.
1: The, the first thing I would say is everyone has to be themselves. Okay. Yeah. What works isn't going to work for you. It's just going to work for someone else. Like in my practice, I'm beyond laid back, super personal, super open. It just works for me. Some mm-hmm. people, you know, I mean, I had a man bun three weeks ago, right? Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> It's going to be shirt and tie, classy, no jokes, very whatever. And that's Mm -hmm. going to work for them. I think first off, find what works for you and don't try to be someone else. Yeah. Second of all, I would say um, learn that not every patient wants to know as much detail. They want to know like the main points, how to get it, what's the problem, how to fix it, what's it going to cost and how soon, you know, we're all pretty much for the most part engineer mindsets, you know, just by nature. And um and such a small population of our practices are like that. So I think, and I see it myself. I talk myself out of treatment sometimes more than I talk people into treatment. Mm-hmm. So you know, if a patient's missing a tooth, well, you know, Mrs. Jones, you know, you're missing a tooth. We'd like to you know replace this with a tooth replacement. We call it a dental implant. It's going to be you know three steps. It's going to cost this, you know, be confident about it. I don't mind discussing fees, with my patients. Like I Mm -hmm. want to, I want to know like, look, this is what it is. This is what it costs. And I'm okay with that. Um, part of that is because I feel like I can close it better than someone else. So I don't want to be all about it. And they get to the front and Miss Jones, you know, (laughs) know, well, it's three hours are, and then they freak out, you know? So, you know, the, uh, I, I think that being, you know, faking this confidence of I can handle it. I know what I'm doing. This is what it is, is important. And, um, and,
0: and then, uh, I think those are, those are pretty good ones. It's pretty good ones. Yeah. So, um, do you, how do you gauge, uh, how much detail someone's like after when you get into the room, like how do you gauge the room and like this person, like just wants me to tell them exactly what needs to be done and that's it. Or no, they want me to like go through options and pros and cons kind of.
1: Someone was telling me last week and they're like the first, you know, if you kind of break up the the consultation or whatever, you know, the really, they said you, you should spend eight eight minutes on a consult,
0: mm-hmm.
1: four minutes, you, you should talk nothing about dentistry. And I kind of agree with that because yeah. in that four minutes, you're going to find out very quickly what, you know, because if they're going to, if, if they're, some people want to, they want to, they're only going to buy dentistry from you if they like you. yeah So, right. So you figure out, you need to build this rapport if they start communicating with you and talking and it's fun and it's going that 4 minutes may turn into 7 minutes and only 1 minute about dentistry well you only may need 1 minute at that point to sell the dentistry versus some people they may give you one word answers two word answers and you kind of know okay this person may be a little more of like just get get to the point yeah i think one area where my style actually i think works is i will tell patients up front very quickly if if i'm giving you too much information or if I'm not getting to the point quick enough, tell me,
0: you know, <laughs> that's your, I love the whole honesty thing, man. You kill it with that.
1: <laughs> that is, that's probably like my mantra. Yes. <laughs> like, <you> know, yeah. <laughs> because, I mean, look, I, I, a lady came to me today for four veneers yesterday. She went to somebody who's like the person to go to veneers in like the Southeast. Yeah. Like lab wise way, way more. Um, but, but you know, the patient just responded better. To my down to earthness, and you know, and my honesty and transparency. Some people will respond better to they want to be wowed, you know, yeah. and they want to be they want an experience. Mm-hmm. And so, I that's my big takeaway is um, is be yourself, find something that works, and don't try to be someone else. And then, with that being said, is you know, if if you if you struggle with case acceptance, um don't be afraid to ask for help yeah. don't be afraid to record you know set up a camera in an operatory where you can kind of record it for yourself or even if audio in your pocket yeah that that's a good tip i used to do that when i was first getting out because you would i would be like oh my gosh that's where i lost them you know yeah. and, and, <laughs> and you dude when i mean how many days are it? some days you walk out of the
0: operatory and you're like bam yeah i was there. on form like everything came everything's flowing like yeah yeah.
1: yeah. Like you could have spit. you could have sold them a hundred grand car and they would have said, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then I'm like, no chance they're scheduling. I didn't believe in it. They didn't believe in it. Yeah. Like it's just, just and so I think trying to focus on those days where you do it really well, figuring out what you're doing well. Um, and that's where I think recording yourself is a really like just carrying an audio recorder around and recording those yeah. conversations yeah. goes a long way.
0: That's huge, man. I think that's awesome. And I think one of the, the biggest things that I'm learning now is like like you said, one is like, you're going to take the courses. So you have the skills and you have the confidence. Like if I'm talking to an implant about an implant to a patient and I know I'm like referring it out. Cause I'm not placing it myself. Like I'm not selling it. You know what I mean? I'm just kind of like, Oh, you can use an implant here. It'd be kind of cool. Like if you want, I can arrange a referral kind of thing. Um, but I think if, if you do a procedure and like, you like love doing it and you're trained enough to do it, like you can sell that all day long. And I think people will see that confidence or the, the team will see the confidence or just like permeate throughout the whole office. And then like, and then you're kind of off and running, which is pretty sweet.
1: I mean, like that was a, that was a struggle with like sleep apnea when we first started was like until the team started seeing the, um, the impact it had on patients and the follow-up and the stories, that's when things got on fire. Yeah. You know? So I think part of it is, is like, you know, and obviously this is hard for associates when you don't have control and that sort of thing. I think you can still have conversations with your hygienists, like making sure that they're educated on the procedures you're wanting to do, that they understand the benefits of it. Because, like you said, if you don't value it and they don't value it, then it, it's just as casual. Well, you could do this. Well, who wants to do something? Who's going to come to your office and spend six grand on something that, like, they like? It's well, you could. <laughs> I mean, no one wants to to your office really and spend money. Yeah,
0: um, you got to create the value of why they need to do it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, that's awesome, man. Thanks a lot. Uh, We've covered a lot of good topics. I think people will get a lot of good value from this episode. This fun. Yeah, we should, we'll do it again for sure. And uh, so if you want to just plug your podcast, I, I, obviously you got a big, much bigger uh, listener base than I do, but I mean, some of the guys that I have listening may have not heard about the Millennial Dentist podcast. Uh, I'm a big fan. I listen to all the episodes. So if you want to maybe just uh, close up with uh, you know, a little tidbit, the elevator pitch about the Millennial podcast, and then uh, we'll wrap it up.
1: Yeah. Hey, my boy, uh, Paymon, and then uh, Daniel Holsinger, we started this podcast about a year and a half ago. It's the Millennial Dentist podcast. You can check it out, millennialdentist.com. You know, uh, we're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff. Basically we have a good time and we, we do this. So we're just trying to keep up with this guy over here. You know, we, we talk <laughs> about dentistry, top of all the world's problems, but, uh, it, you know, it, it is what it is. I think, I think the beauty and I say is all time, man, what a freaking fun time to be a dentist. The best man. The, absolutely the I best. Mean, it doesn't get any better. Um, so if you're listening to this and you know, you're down in the dumps of dental school or, you know, you're having some older dentist kick you and it's just hang in there um, and keep pushing and keep running because man, uh, it's just, it's fun. And and I'm having a
0: blast. Awesome stuff, man. Solly, thanks a lot for coming on. We'll hopefully do it again sometime very soon. Definitely
1: do it again. And you're coming on ours soon. Yeah, so for we'll sure.
0: That'd be great.